All right, we have something coming in. You never know, do you? You never know when it comes to children's announcements. I never know what's coming through the door. Hi, I'm Quackas. Hi, Bob. And we are excited to be here today. Whoops. We, we are. Right? And we are here to remind all of you, and you at home and out in the universe, of our Easter egg hunt next week. Now, it's not only for children. It is for our entire community and especially our church family here. Now, we do have the Easter egg hunt, but we also have what, Tina? Refreshments and fellowship afterwards. Yes. And it's, it's Bob. It's Bob. Bob, crackers. Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay, get it right. I had the bird flu, and I'm not thinking well. <laughs> so we are going to have a sign-up sheet in the, at the welcome cart. We need a lot of hands, you guys. This is a big event. Um, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, and we just, it's a good time for fellowship. So if you want to help set up, break down, clean up, that's all good. Thank you, Larry. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Now, also at our event in the back, we do have two jolly jumps, one for our littles, our younger children, and one for the bigger kids. And yes, that also means adults. But we do need help kind of monitoring that, so um, if we have some help with that. Um, and our Easter egg hunt is for toddlers in the ages toddlers up to fifth grade. So we will be checking IDs. Um, yeah, so we honestly uh, just ask that you don't be a chicken and sign up today. Right? Yeah, that's right. Perfect. Good job, Bob. <laughs> All right. All right, let's go. And today, kids, at Kingdom Kids, we're going to go right now in just a second. We're celebrating what? Palm Sunday. Yay. Okay. Thank you. Uh, like I said earlier, it's the first Sunday of the month, and so we like to kind of welcome any of you who are new, fairly new. Uh, I want to draw your attention to something in, in your rows there. We have these cards, and uh, sometimes people ask, well, how do we give at the well? And you notice we don't necessarily pass offering baskets around. But in here, there's uh, four ways to give. And it's kind of cool. Down this last one, I wanted to kind of draw your attention to it. On our website, you can set up online giving. And on this card, you can actually do this where you're sitting right now. There's a what they call a QR code. That's a generational thing. I'm like, Eileen, how does that work? And so what you do, you, you don't need a QR app. You don't need to download anything. You use your, your phone, your camera phone. And you would point your phone at this QR code. And when you do that, on your phone, the picture on the left comes up. And you'll see obcfchurch.org on your phone, on your camera. And you tap that, and it will take you to our website, the giving page of our website. And you can fill out your information if you'd like to give online or set up recurring uh, giving online. So pretty cool. We just want to draw your attention to that because sometimes people do ask. You know, they kind of like, you guys don't like pass offering baskets and anything like that. You know, we celebrate God's faithfulness around here in giving. It literally is amazing. And God loves a cheerful giver. You'll hear us speak to it once in a while. Um, but we really celebrate you and your faithfulness. And those of you who give 
literally faithfully and sacrificially every month uh, to really bless the kingdom. And so we wanted to give you some um, information in, in this form to help you. If you want to take one of these home, they're, they're out on the welcome cart. Uh, you can take one home in case you, know, you need to kind of um, just remind yourself or even help others. Um, if you need help, if you're sort of in my generation or beyond and you're still stuck with how do you do this, one of these youngsters here will be glad to help you. Okay, but very important, you don't, please know that you don't need to download any special QR app. This will work right off your camera phone. Okay, and so again, we have this generation that will help you do that. Uh, this Friday, we are going to be at Libby Bowl with the Church of the Ojai Valley. Uh, there's a number of churches that are uh, going to be celebrating Good Friday together. Uh, a number of the pastors will be sharing, and uh, we get the privilege to lead worship for Good Friday service. Yes, we're excited about that. Um, and, and really what we're excited about, Jordan shared, uh, I don't know how many years ago that was, on a Good Friday, he was up at Couch Rock, which is a place right above Shelf. You know, you got to climb to get there. And he could hear the worship from Libby all the way up there. So we celebrate the fact that on Good Friday, pretty much the entire valley gets to hear worship. And uh, we're excited about it. So I really want to invite you to come on out. It is, you know, a great reminder also that as much as we enjoy the well, the well is just part of the bigger church. We're not the end-all, be-all. We're just part of God's plan for the Ojai Valley, and we do our part faithfully. Uh, we are, are also, which we have been doing, um, setting up and breaking down for communion. Uh, if you've not been to a Good Friday service, there are a number of tables that are set up. And at a certain part of the service, everyone who wants to can come down and take communion. So we, uh, really since it started, have uh, facilitated that. We bring tables from here over. We set up all the tables, make them real nice. And then afterwards, we break down. If you are interested in participating again, whether you've done it before or you're like, hey, that kind, of, kind of sounds cool, uh, see Pastor Tyler. He would love to uh, have some help this year. Uh, a lot of the regulars are not available, so he is in need of kind of a communion team that would really bless the whole church of the valley. So uh, talk to him for more details, and we would, we would appreciate that. And then, of course, as you saw the um, chicken and bunny up here, next Sunday is Easter. It's Resurrection Sunday. We invite you to uh, come and participate. We also, uh, I mentioned it last Sunday, if you want as a family to bring uh, some extra food and have your own little uh, lunch or something like that, feel free to do that. You can bring, it's supposed to be really good weather, I'm hearing, so uh, you can bring a blanket, some chairs if you want to sit on the, on the grass and just make, a, make an afternoon of it. Okay, there'll be some extra refreshments as well. Uh, I know some of you uh, are inviting friends. Easter's a great, they're going to hear a great Easter message. And... How many of you know the condition of the world? People need hope. And they need some good news. Right? And so next Sunday, it's about hope and good news and the gospel. Uh, as my wife, I saw her earlier this week. And you know those little cards that Kim made, the little egg hunt cards? She was at home, and she was taking a picture of it. And I'm like, what are you doing? She goes, oh, I send pictures out. I'm inviting people. So she actually, you know, instead of handing it to them, she's sending out little invites via texting and all that. So just a creative way to uh, invite people, and whether they come, you know, that's out of your control, but you can, you can just, and sometimes, how many of you have invited somebody here, and when they show up, you're happy, you're like, oh my gosh, they came, right? Well, you know, we all know that, that Easter and Christmas tend to be times when people will come to church, and so we understand that, and we really want to bless them, 
and really uh, make all of Easter a wonderful celebration of the resurrection. And then really pray that the Lord would save souls and that um, he would continue his work in the Ojai Valley. Amen? All right, so we invite you to come on out this Friday if you're able to. Sunday and Easter because it just brings us back to Jesus. And there are times, even in the life of a church, and as we go through the cycles of a year, that we need to be brought to Jesus. And I think of even Christmas. In all the trappings of Christmas, it brings us back to Jesus. And, and that's really uh, my heart for us today and next Sunday is that He is Jesus. And you know, well, we've been started, uh, been going through the Gospel of Mark the last few weeks. You know, kind of Jordan came up and then Paul last week. And so uh, I was thinking of that. And it's really interesting how Palm Sunday and the Holy Week and Easter really tie into what we saw in the first chapter, the first, very first few verses of, of Mark 1. And I want to kind of start there and then we're going to launch into Palm Sunday. But in Mark 1, if you remember, it said this in verses 1, 2, and 3. It says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah, the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And so John the Baptist comes, and it's very interesting because this is the very front end of Jesus' mission and ministry. He's saying, hey, the king of kings... Jesus, he's on his way. Prepare yourself. And, and so on the very front end, if you want to look at bookends, so John the Baptist, beginning of Mark, John the Baptist is saying, hey, the king's coming. And Palm Sunday and into Easter kind of is the other side. And what's interesting is John the Baptist was saying, hey, prepare your way, he's coming. And Palm Sunday is all about Jesus coming into Jerusalem and the significance of that. We're going to look at that. Uh, but in John the Baptist's message, if you remember, uh, it was very specific. And, and what he said in Matthew 3, uh, it said this, in those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. 
His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And then in Mark, we saw the response. And all the country of Judea and Jerusalem, all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And a few weeks ago, we looked at this message of repentance and faith and sins. And I really shared with you uh, the core of the gospel really comes from this problem that stems from the fall of sin. Of sin. And we looked at that in a, in a couple of different angles, and I encourage you to go back if you didn't listen to that to, to, uh, to look at that, listen to it, because it really layers into the Holy Week. And I shared with you on that Sunday that when I was kind of seeking or kind of just doing my thing, and especially in college, my friends and others would try to share the gospel with me. And of course, in their faithfulness to the word and the, and the truth, they would bring up the issue of sin with the best of intentions. And I remember, because I was a good moral person on my way to, you know, a good career and kind of law-abiding and just all of that, right? A good person. I remember my initial defensiveness to the issue of sin. Oh, you're calling me a, you're not perfect. Who are you to call me a sinner, right? And I remember I was, I was basing that on my own view of morality and my goodness versus the really bad people, evil, wicked people. And so this idea of sin initially to me was very troubling. Troubling because I equated sin with doing bad things, right? There's, there's varying levels. You know, we talked about does God grade on a curve versus a straight scale, right? And so when it came to the sin issue, because I was a very good moral person doing my best to be a contributing member to community and listen to my parents and, you know, all of that, obey the big 10, the 10 commandments, right? The idea that I had a sin problem was was tough pill to swallow. I didn't, I didn't really want to receive that, and I got defensive, and I was like, you know, who are you? And, and all of, that's good for the others, the real sinners, the real bad people need Jesus, but I'm a good person, right? And, and I just remember just kind of not being able to receive it. And then I started to study it and, and examine this whole gospel in light of sin, and is sin really just... Because we do bad things, is that, is that the problem? Is that the root of the problem, is bad things, right? And, and we looked at that a couple weeks ago, that the root of the problem really is sin nature that we inherited from Adam and Eve. It's a sin nature. How many of you, I've shared this before, how many of you who have had kids look at your little one, two, three-year-old and go, I don't need to teach them to sin? Any, anybody? You're like, whoa, where did that come from? Right? No. Mine. I don't want to. Eh? Huh? You're like, whoa. There's something in us that we recognize, right? And, and I shared this quote, and it helped some, some people when I shared it from R.C. Sproul. He said, we are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. It's an inside-out issue. And that helped me as I was examining this again in my journey to come to faith to really frame the, the problem of sin. And, and it really helped me to understand that, that the issue of sin isn't just doing bad things. It's an it's a, it's a issue of sin nature that we inherited from Adam and, and Eve coming from the fall. And then I realized, you know what? There are some really, really good people on this planet. Loving, generous, compassionate 
selfless, right? There's some really wonderful people on this planet, in this room, listening online, at your, co- at your work, your co-workers, right? Your friends, your relatives, really good people. But I realized that there's a whole bunch of really good people that still have a really bad problem. You see the difference? And once I started to see that, I started to understand what my friends were trying to share with me. It's like, we know you're a really good person. We know you're on your way. We know you're doing your best to be really good and a positive contributor to society. But you still have a really bad problem. And it's a really bad problem that separates you from God. And so I'm, helping, I'm hoping that framing it this way in this review helps us launch into Palm Sunday and Easter because there are some wonderful people in your family, in your circle of friends, on your social media, at your workplace, your neighbors, wonderful, beautiful people, sometimes more generous than anyone. You're like, man, they're more giving and sacrificial and they're not even believers, you know. So we get that. We honestly understand that. But the truth is, the truth of the gospel is that You can be as wonderful as you want, but you still have a really bad problem. And this sin is what separates us from God for all eternity. And that was the message in Mark, and it really helps us to understand why Jesus came, right? And in fact, in Matthew 121, the angel is talking to Joseph, and he clues even Joseph in. He says, look at Matthew 121, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, For he will save his people from their sins. So it's really important that he is Jesus. Palm Sunday, Easter comes back to Jesus. But really it comes back to the good news that God gave us in his grace, the answer to the problem. That's the good news. The good news is some really good people have a really bad problem. There's some really bad people who still have the same bad problem. Right? The challenge for the really good people is to work through and accept that you have a really bad problem. So that's why some people who, who end up uh, in prison or addicted or hit rock bottom, see what happens is there's more of a, they, they get it. They get the connection between their need for God and their bad problem and the, res- and the implications of sin, the consequences of sin, where they ended up legally or, you know, addicted or whatever so they actually can make that connection the challenging part is for the good people just like it was for jesus the religious people well what do you mean we need forgiveness you know they they got all huffy puffy and defensive because they there was a disconnect and that same disconnect happens today okay the same disconnect is what happens when you try to share this and 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 i'm helping so that you can maybe frame it differently when you share the gospel with your friends don't just go up to and say, now you realize, like, if you go up to your friend and say, hey, hey, uh, hey, brother, hey, sister, you're a sinner. Now you know maybe strategically how to approach it from, like, we all have a problem. You know that verse, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God? Reframing that is, uh, hey, I just want to share with you, we all have a problem. That our sin separates us from God. You see the difference? Versus, hey... Sinner, you need God, right? So, right? Pointing back at me, because that's what they do, right? We're just someone who recognized because of sin, we had a problem, and that Jesus was the solution, and we went that way. Amen? That's all we're doing. That's the good news. 
That's the very good news, right? As we recognized our need because of our problem and that Jesus was sent as the way, the truth, and the life. Okay? That's it. And so as we fast forward now to the end of Jesus' mission and ministry on planet, Matthew 21 speaks about his entrance into Jerusalem. We'll read this. He says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put, them on, their, and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Right in that little video clip kind of gave us a, a visual. And so Jesus is entering Jerusalem, he and his, his entourage, his boys are coming with them, and the whole crowd, the whole city is stirred, like thousands and thousands of people. They're just going nuts. They're going crazy. Some of them probably don't even know why. They just, you know, you hear the roar, you're drawn to the roar, and you go, hey, let's go check that out. Something's going on, something's going on. What's that, what's that, you know? And so there's this big celebration. They're, they're just going nuts, right? And it says, uh, you know, some of the things that they did, they spread their cloaks on the road, others cut branches, right? They're all yelling, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, what's significant about what the crowd is doing is that when they're throwing their garments on the ground, it's an, it's an, an act in that culture of reverence, respect, and submission, okay? They're waving palm branches, and palm branches were kind of a symbol of Jewish nationalism, a symbol of triumph and victory, Okay, they're yelling Hosanna and Hosanna at this time had become a, a celebratory word, which means salvation has come. Okay, so Jesus on a donkey is coming up. They're throwing their garments on the ground. They're waving palm branches. They're all yelling Hosanna. Salvation has come in John. It says, so they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him crying out Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And here's what it says. Even the king of Israel. So everything the crowd is doing kind of is reflecting their belief that this is a king. The throwing the garments, the waving the palm branches, the yelling of Hosanna, salvation has come. Woohoo! The king is here. They're going nuts. They're going bananas. But there's a problem. Because their idea of king and what he is there to accomplish doesn't match with why he came. He is the king of kings. But they were celebrating what they thought would be a military, political savior, deliverer from the Romans. So they're all like, woohoo! 
He's here. Roman rule, Roman persecution, Roman bondage, all the horrible things the Romans are doing. Woo, he's here. Right? The king is here. We are going to be done with the Romans. So they're celebrating, but their understanding of what they're celebrating is misguided. Okay, I'm not doubting their enthusiasm. They're just enthusiastic about the wrong thing. Right? And this is where it's really important for us as a church, and even as we go out and we share the gospel, the good news, that we're celebrating the right thing, and that when we share the gospel, we share it correctly so that they understand the right thing. Now, what do I mean by that? I came across this quote. It says, most Christians today do not want the real Jesus who saves them from their sins and the domination of Satan and the world and who delivers them from death and grants them eternal life. Jesus is merely their penultimate desire. He is the one that they hope will grant them their ultimate desires of health, wealth, and power in this world. There's this word penultimate, okay? Now, some of you in sports may understand a penultimate step. If you've ever um, seen or participated in the long jump, when they're running down the long jump, the second to last step is called the penultimate step. And in fact, they're running, they're running. On the second to last step, what they'll do is they'll dip down, and then this last step is the launch. The penultimate step is the second. It's the one right before it to launch them. What they're saying here is that sometimes, a lot of times in the church or when we're trying to share our faith, we portray Jesus as the penultimate step to health, wealth, and prosperity. We portray, we try to market, we try to share Jesus in a way that come to Jesus and you're going to get what you want in this world. There are churches filled with thousands of people that respond to that. That's similar to what with the crowd. They didn't really get it. And we have to be very careful that our relationship with Jesus and even when we share the gospel that it's not ultimately a self-centered, self-serving gospel. That will appeal to the flesh. If I were here and Bill came up and elders came up and you repeatedly heard, come to Jesus and you're going to get that job, come to Jesus and your money, come to Jesus, come to Jesus, there would be a lot more people coming. Because the world out there is looking for answers, not necessarily to the sin problem, but to their financial problem to their relational problem, to their emotional problem, right? That's why self-help industry, billions in self-help. Well, what happens is, if we're not careful, we as believers, or when we share the gospel, we present Jesus as just another self-help to get us to where we want to be on this planet, not even about eternity, okay? And so that's similar, that's what happens to the crowd. Here comes Jesus, king, Military, political, free of Rome. They missed it. And so today, I really want to kind of just bring us back to what is the gospel? What is the good news? So that when we celebrate, we're celebrating consistent with why we should celebrate. And when we share the gospel, we're sharing it consistent with what the gospel says. Not trying to market it in a way that's palatable to today's consumer culture. 
That's where the church and we get in trouble is when we try to market Christianity to a consumer-driven culture. It'll fill churches. It'll sound really good and it'll sell a lot of books. The gospel, the problem of sin, repentance, maybe not so big of a church. But maybe there's some really big churches that are faithful. Okay, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm just saying there's a temptation But there's also a temptation in our own life to shift from celebrating the core of our faith to suddenly shifting into what has Jesus done for me lately? What has Jesus done for me lately? And then we slide into, well, Jesus, can you do what can you handle this today? And can you handle this today? And now, rather than the core of our celebration daily as believers being the good news, we now keep score with God. And how many times he came through? And how many times he answered this. And very subtly, if we're not careful, even as believers, we become consumer driven. And we want Jesus to do this. And we want Jesus to do that. And our spiritual maturity and our spiritual faith and our spiritual growth becomes dependent on circumstances. Rather than on the good news of the gospel. Amen. Now, what's really interesting is that... uh, in Mark 1.1, it says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus, the Son of God, right? The gospel is good news. And in Mark 10.45, Jesus himself says this, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So Jesus himself said, hey, here's why I'm coming. Not to be served, but to serve and again, lay down my life. And if you have responded to that, okay, You should be celebrating. You should be celebrating. Every day there's a celebration. You don't have to wait for Palm Sunday or Easter or Christmas. There's a reason to celebrate every day, and we're going to look at that, right? So the crowd's going crazy, and, and they're celebrating the arrival of a king. But I love the gospel. I love how Jesus, like, he's like, he's like so cool. Because he like says, yo, there's something about this scene that you need to see that would really clue you in. As to why I'm coming here. Because in Matthew, or yeah, in Matthew, it says, when he entered Jerusalem, what was he riding on? A donkey. You saw that there, right? So it's really interesting because they're celebrating the arrival of a military, political king, conquering king, right? And in that culture, military commanders, kings, they would arrive on a horse. So they're going crazy. Hosanna. They're throwing their things out. They're treating him like an arriving king, conquering king. And he's like, yo. Come on, donkey. Right? Right? We're trying to think of that like a Shrek, right? Donkey? He's on a donkey. Now, I don't know who in that crowd was like, hey, yo. What's with the donkey? You didn't have a horse? Like, this is, everyone's going crazy. You know, can you imagine that conversation? Someone who, like, was picking up on this, like, wait, we're going nuts. This guy's going to deliver us to the Romans? He's on a donkey, dude. What's up with that? Right? I love that because Jesus, I'm here. I am the king of kings. Just not the king that you're thinking. Because the donkey was a symbol of peace. Jesus arriving into Jerusalem on a donkey 
was the arrival of the Prince of Peace, right? Remember in, in Isaiah, right? His name, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The core of the gospel is peace. Peace. Now, you're familiar with the word shalom, right? And what's interesting is it's a very powerful word. In the Old Testament, shalom or peace does not primarily refer to, everyone say not, does not refer to circumstances. Peace in the Old Testament and in the New Testament primarily is about relationships. Now, how many of you, maybe parents, maybe roommates, whatever, how many of you have ever said, I just want some peace and quiet? Right? So we, we, we have grown up, we equate peace with circumstance. The absence of noise, the absence of conflict, the absence of strife, the absence of trials and tribulations, emotional or whatever, financial, relational. Once those are all taken care of, we think we have, you see, that's not what the Prince of Peace came to bring. Shalom primarily means relationships, and it's, it's, it means completeness, wholeness, health, security, contentment. In the best sense, it means I'm complete. I'm complete. And that's what you see in the world when people don't know Jesus. They're looking for completeness. In relationships, in drugs, in sex, in whatever, in success. What are they really looking for? They're trying to fill themselves up to feel complete, to feel whole. Right? And the Prince of Peace comes and says, hey, you want to experience real shalom? Come know me. True shalom. And in the New Testament, it's, 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 the word is erene. It's the same thing. It means harmony, tranquility, quietness out of a relationship with God. And so William Barclay says this, in the Bible, the word peace, shalom, never means simply the absence of trouble. It means everything which makes for our highest good. The peace which the world offers us is the peace of escape, the peace which comes from the avoidance of trouble and from refusing to face things. Anybody here ever refuse to face something? Uh, yeah, I'll get to it. <laughs> I'm in the middle of something, just watching the final four. You know, we're really good at trying to find peace through escapism, through avoidance, through procrastination, because we still equate peace with not having to deal with the stuff of life, right? That's why when we understand the gospel and why Jesus came on a donkey as the Prince of Peace, we can celebrate every day. Because we can celebrate what? Peace, completeness, wholeness. And that's what I want, that's what really the Lord put on my heart for us as a church family. This Palm Sunday, this Easter Holy Week, come back to celebrating that you are complete in Christ. You are whole. There's nothing else you need in the truest picture. You, because you have peace with God, right? Jesus. And, and here's the thing. If peace isn't about circumstances, what is it? It's about Jesus. 
In fact, Jesus is our peace. Check this out in Ephesians 2. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Not only did he break down the hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles, the gospel says he broke down, he reconciled us to God. That's an amen moment. <laughs> John 14, 27. Peace I, live, I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have what? In the world you will have tribulation. But take courage, I have overcome the world. Okay, look, at, I love Alexander McLaren. Peace not, comes not from the absence of trouble, from, from the presence of Christ. So for you, church family, the last seven days, the last month, where have you been trying to find your peace? Because some of the things that you're trying to find your peace in are out of your control. You can't control people. You can't control whether or not you have a job tomorrow. You can't control your health. There's so many things that you're looking in your life to try to control to create a sense of peace, and it's out of your control. But the good news is, maybe you're here today, and you may remind you of the good news. If you're a believer in Jesus, if you have Jesus because you put your faith in him, you have peace. Peace with God. Now, we got to camp there because sometimes things in church become so cliche that it just boggles the mind. There are only two types of people on this planet as we sit here at 11 o'clock. On April 2nd. Those who have peace with God. And those who do not have peace with God. And this is an eternal question. The question of questions. The most important thing for all eternity that needs to be settled. And you're in one of two camps. Either you have peace with God through Jesus. Or if you don't have Jesus, the Bible says you don't have peace. You're still separated. In the Bible, death means separation. Okay, not just physical death, but death is separation. So the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is separation from God. Okay? If you are here this morning, or you're at home, and you have the Prince of Peace, through faith in the Prince of Peace, as you sit here, you have peace with God. That should be the ultimate sense of peace. Because you have peace with God, you don't have to fear death, because you know where you're going. So much of this culture is driven by fear and anxiety, worry about the future. And I understand that. There are genuine concerns you should have, I have as a husband, father, all that kind of stuff. But the ultimate questions of where you're going to spend eternity, the ultimate question of being in relationship with Father every single day, 24-7, 365, should be your sense of peace. And maybe it's you, church, someone here or someone home as a believer, maybe today God said, hey, Come back to me for peace. I know what you're going through. I know you're swirling. I know you're angry. I know you're hurt. I know you're confused. I know you're wounded. I know you're scared. I know all your anxieties. And that. But please, start with me. And come back and remember that we're good. We're good. Let Father tell you today, we're good. If the worst thing that happens means you end your time on this planet, where do you end up? Heaven. 
I guess I'm with God forever then if I'm not here. Where did we pick that up? Where did we pick that up? Right? Now, I get it. There's a, we love being here. There's people we love, right? And all this kind of, this, there's not, you know, I get that. We're connected. This is, God blesses us here. It's his creator. We get that. But this isn't home. This isn't home. This isn't our final destination, right? On the timeline of eternity, let's say you live to the good old ripe age of 100. The timeline of eternity. Where's 100? And if you know Jesus, you have peace with God now and for all eternity. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. We have peace. We have the peace that a whole bunch of people want out there and are spending a lot of money trying to find. And it's right under their nose. And his name is Jesus. That's what it is. And I I just wanted to share that with you because even as a church, I get it. We get riled up. There's so much happening around here. I get riled up in circumstance. I get riled up in in the next call, the next call, the next thing. I get it. And sometimes I have to sit myself down in my office and find out where I'm looking at my peace. Because it's easy for me to, to create a checklist and check them off. And the more checks I have of resolved things, I get greater peace. I understand that. But if that's my basis, is a checklist of circumstance, that's a slippery slope. That's never ending. Because how many of you have ever got to the bottom of your list and then all of a sudden, doot, 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 you're like, oh my gosh, I was on the verge of peace. And then I got the text. And then I got the email. And then, and then, and then, and then. It's like never ending. Jesus says, in the world you will have tribulation, right? Remember that? In me you may have peace. Amen? It's in him. So the king of kings showing up on donkey is like, yo, peace. We have it. That's what they're searching for. And I just want to encourage you. Come back to celebrating that you have peace with God. Come on, your name is written in the book of life. Your name, right now. Not like when you die. Oh, yeah, what's your name? Oh, Kathy. Okay, Kathy Wilcox. It's in there now. Like, like now. Like now. Did I say like night? Now. It's a done deal. Right? Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I've shared this with before. Big word, justification, justified. What is that? It's a legal declaration from God the judge. When you put your faith in Jesus, God puts his judge hat on. Right? Not guilty, fully righteous. It's a once and for all legal declaration, never to be overturned, overruled, never to be appealed, right? You put your faith in Jesus, there is a legal declaration made by God the judge, not guilty, fully righteous. Peace with God. See, there's still so many people caught up in religions around the world who don't have peace because they're trying to earn it, and they never know if they've done enough. So they're living in constant Stress and anxiety and religiosity and duties. Because they don't have the peace with God. We do. 
Right? Put that, Eileen, put that one back. Romans 5.1. That's a great memory verse. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have present tense. Present tense. Legal declaration by God the judge. Not just not guilty. You're not just morally neutral. You are now not guilty, fully righteous, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. You are clothed as you sit here in the righteousness of Christ. Positionally, Father is stoked with you. Like, he is stoked beyond measure because he sees you clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. So when we go out and we want to live for Christ and we want to live for God, it's not that we're afraid of messing up. We go in the freedom that our Father loves us completely. Now, I, I grew up very performance-driven, fear of failure, fear of you know, letting someone down, report cards, make the team. I get that, and that can be, in a worldly sense, this motivator. That's not how we're to be motivated as believers. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me, which means if you love me, the fruit of that love is simply obedience. Our obedience, our desire to follow Jesus, to make choices that glorify him, to walk in faith and obedience is because we love him. And why do we love him? Because we're at peace with him. We're just at peace. So I want you, church, today to celebrate that you're at peace with God. You're at peace. You really are. Now, when we make poor decisions and we stray and we sin, Sure, there's the Holy Spirit will kind of, and you know you got to make it right. You confess, you turn, and you know what? You're at peace. You're still at peace. You're still at peace. So if you've been striving, if you've been wondering if Father still loves you, if you're still good to go, this morning, on the basis of Romans 5.1, because you have put your faith in Jesus, in the authority of 5-1, you have peace with God. Let that peace come back and resonate. Don't just let that be a cliche thing, because it is not a cliche thing. It's an eternal thing. Like, I, you know, I was just thinking about this. I'm like, this is what matters. Eternity. This is why uh, when I was in the process of of seeking the Lord, and I was in ministry, and I was going to law school, and I was trying to sort through it all. This is one of the things where I, I, I remember talking to my wife. I was like, wait, there is a heaven and a hell, right? And I was a young Christian. I'm just kind of figure, trying to figure out what this all means in terms of worldview and what really matters. I'm like, wait, there's a heaven and a hell, right? Yeah. And the Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except to him. Yeah. And this issue of sin, yeah. And we can be have peace with God through faith in Jesus, yeah. And I was like, literally, I'm like, so what else matters then? I, and I'm not downplaying uh, secular work. I'm not anything like that. I'm just saying my story was this perspective of like, wait a sec. If our souls live on forever, and God has provided the Prince of Peace to have peace with him forever, I think I want to do that. I think I want to help people come to have peace with God and live forever. And that, that was a huge part of why I shifted 
in my in my path and went into ministry because I I just couldn't release I couldn't escape the fact of like eternity, and that through Jesus we have peace with God. There's an answer. Because I grew up, I was very academic. I wanted to know the answer. I had the right answer. Give me the right answer. I, you know, I hated being wrong. Anyone hate being wrong? You're just like, oh, right? You're just like, cool, right? You take a test, and you're like, what did I get wrong? And it's like you want to blame the teacher first. Like, it's not my fault. How, what do you mean I got one wrong, right? So this issue of sin, I'm like, wait, there's an answer. There's a great problem called sin. It's separation from God. There's an answer, Jesus. And it matters for eternity, not just for a report card. And I was like, I want to do that. That's, and that, that was part of my journey was coming to this really celebration of peace with God. And then this peace, just to help as we you know, start to wrap, is, wrap up, is a choice we can make every day. I love this verse in Isaiah 26.3. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. So church, where have your thoughts been fixed this past week? And maybe your lack of peace, the peace of God, has come because your thoughts haven't been fixed on God. It's been on problem solving. It's been on circumstances, emotions, feelings, right? You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Right? Powerful, powerful, right? We looked at this other verse, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. You remember this? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace, what? Of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Because you have the peace with God, you can have the peace of God on this planet. Amen? But you got to have this. And out of this, we keep our minds fixed on this. We go out into the world. Right? I love this by George Morrison. Peace is the possession of adequate resources. How much of your strife is like, oh, if I only had more money, if I only had more friends, if I only had a husband, if I only had a wife, if I only, because we, we feel like inadequate. Peace is the possession of adequate resources. So if you have Christ... Do you have adequate resources? If the God of the universe, you can call Papa Daddy, do you have adequate resources to face anything? Peace. Peace, I love that, is the possession of adequate resources. Sometimes we got we to gotta, we gotta take inventory. We just need to take inventory because we get focused on what we don't have and then what we're lacking and we forget that the Bible says he has given us everything we need for life and godliness. You have everything you need for life and godliness. You have more than adequate resources. What is it? He is our sufficiency. Amen? He is our sufficiency. John MacArthur says this. The real challenge of the Christian life is not to eliminate every unpleasant circumstance. It is to trust in the good purpose of our infinite, holy sovereign, powerful God in every difficulty. Those who honor him by trusting him will experience the blessings of his perfect peace. Right? So what we need to do is stop trying to eliminate the trials and tribulations that Jesus said we would have anyway. What we need to do is when they come, choose to put our thoughts 
on him. We need to go to the the presence and the person of Jesus rather than the problem. Our first choice, that's maturity, that's sanctification. Something happens before I react, I go to prayer, I go to his promises, and I'm reminded of his presence. That's the choice we make. And the more you do that, you'll experience the peace of God. Because most of us, when something comes up, how many of you, your, your default is problem solve? React and problem solve. And then eventually you get around to asking God for help. Usually when I've exhausted all my efforts, finally, okay, uncle, you got me. I can't handle this. Anyone? It's at that point. Finally, we waved the white flag after we've tried everything that we thought would fix this. What if on the front end, we're like, Lord, you know what just happened. You know my need. Rather than going to problem-solving mode, Lord, you say, if I come to you in prayer and thanksgiving, that the peace of God will guard my heart. So I'm choosing right now to come to you first in prayer. I'm choosing to come to you first in the promises of your word. I'm choosing to come to you first with the power of the Holy Spirit. See, then we start to live not in our own effort, but in the power and the presence of God. Radical change, radical peace. Radical peace. And I'll tell you, just having that peace will be a testimony. Because your friends and your coworkers and your family, they know how you usually react to things. And when you stop reacting that way and you have peace, they'll be like, what got into you? And you say, Jesus. That's the testimony. That's the testimony. Like, well, what do you mean, Jesus? Well, he's, well, I have peace with God and we have peace. And you just point him to our website and say, listen to this. You know what I mean? You have peace with God. And then because we have peace with God, we can experience the peace of God. Right? There's plenty outside these doors that are waiting to push your buttons. The glorious news today is that because of this and because of God's word, you don't have to react the same way when you leave here. Amen? You can choose to push the pause button before you react and go to peace. Let's go to the peace. Rather than go to peace rather than problem solving. Go there first. Okay? And experience the peace of God. And then if God gives you opportunity to share the gospel, share the peace with God. As someone who once was lost, but now I'm found. Once once was blind, but now I see. And now I have peace with God. And the ultimate eternal question is settled. That's the basis of my peace. That's a radical truth, amen? We have peace with God. We have peace with God. Ben, why don't you come on up? First John 5.11 says this, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you know it today? 
not just here. Do you know it? Come on, you're right. If you have Jesus, you have life. Eternal life doesn't start when you die and go to heaven. If you have Jesus, you have life right now. You, you have life, new life, right as you sit here. Don't wait for it. It doesn't start. We get this weird theology. Oh, I'll have eternal life once I die. No, you have life. And you have peace. And you have peace. Romans 5, 8. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still sinners, he will certainly, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because of our Lord Jesus Christ who has made us friends with God. Amen? Come on, we can rejoice. Not only do we have peace with God, he's our friend. Not everyone on this planet can say that, guys. You put your faith in Jesus, you're his child, you're his friend, and you're at peace. You are at peace. (laughs) All right. We have something coming in. You never know, do you? You never know when it comes to children's announcements. I never know what's coming through the door. Hi, I'm Quackas. Hi, Bob. And we are excited to be here today. Whoops. We we are. And we are here to remind all of you and you at home and out in the universe of our Easter egg hunt next week. Now, it's not only for children. It is for our entire community and especially our church family here. Now, we do have the Easter egg hunt, but we also have what, Tina? Refreshments and fellowship afterwards. Yes. And it's it's Bob. It's Bob. Bob, crackers. Oh, I'm so sorry. Get it right. I had the bird flu, and I'm not thinking well. So we are going to have a sign-up sheet in the, at the welcome cart. We need a lot of ha- hands, you guys. This is a big event. Um, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, and we just it's a good time for fellowship. So if you want to help set up, break down, clean up, that's all good. Thank you, Larry. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, also at our event in the back, we do have two jolly jumps, one for our littles, our younger children, and one for the bigger kids. And yes, that also means adults, but we do need help kind of monitoring that, so um, if we have some help with that. Um, And our Easter egg hunt is for toddlers, and the ages toddlers up to fifth grade. So we will be checking IDs. Um, Yeah, so we honestly uh, just ask that you don't be a chicken and sign up today, right? Yeah, that's right, perfect. Good job, Bob. All right. All right, let's go. And today, kids, at Kingdom Kids, we're going to go right now in just a second. We're celebrating what? Palm Sunday. Yay. Okay, thank you. Uh, Like I said earlier, it's the first Sunday of the month, and so we like to kind of welcome any of you who are new, fairly new. Uh, I want to draw your attention to something in, in your rows there. 
we have these cards. And uh, sometimes people ask, well, how do we give at the well? And you notice we don't necessarily pass offering baskets around. But in here, there's uh, four ways to give. And it's kind of cool. Down this last one, I wanted to kind of draw your attention to it. On our website, you can set up online giving. And on this card, you can actually do this where you're sitting right now. There's a what they call a QR code. That's a generational thing. I'm like, Eileen, how does that work? And so what you do, you, you don't need a QR app. You don't need to download anything. You use your, your phone, your camera phone. And you would point your phone at this QR code. And when you do that, on your phone, the picture on the left comes up. And you'll see obcfchurch.org on your phone, on your camera. And you tap that, and it'll take you to our website, the giving page of our website. And you can fill out your information if you'd like to give online or set up recurring uh, giving online. So pretty cool. We just want to draw your attention to that because sometimes people do ask, you know, they kind of like, you guys don't like pass offering baskets and anything like that. You know, we celebrate God's faithfulness around here in giving. It literally is amazing. And God loves a cheerful giver. You'll hear us speak to it once in a while. Um, but we really celebrate you and your faithfulness. And those of you who give literally faithfully and sacrificially every month uh, to really bless the kingdom. And so we wanted to give you some um, information in, in this form to help you. If you want to take one of these home, they're, they're out on the welcome cart. Uh, you can take one home in case you know you need to kind of... Um, just remind yourself or even help others. Um, if you need help, if you're sort of in my generation or beyond and you're still stuck with how do you do this, one of these youngsters here will be glad to help you. Okay, but very important, you don't, please know that you don't need to download any special QR app. This will work right off your camera phone. Okay, and so again, we have this generation that will help you do that. Uh, this Friday, we are going to be at Libby Bowl with the Church of the Ojai Valley. Uh, there's a number of churches that are uh, going to be celebrating Good Friday together. Uh, a number of the pastors will be sharing, and uh, we get the privilege to lead worship for Good Friday service. Yes, we're excited about that. Um, and, and really what we're excited about, Jordan shared, uh, I don't know how many years ago that was, on a Good Friday, he was up at Couch Rock, which is a place right above shelf. You know, you got to climb to get there. And he could hear the worship from Libby all the way up there. So we celebrate the fact that on Good Friday, pretty much the entire valley gets to hear worship. And uh, we're excited about it. So I really want to invite you to come on out. It is, you know, a great reminder also that as much as we enjoy the well, the well is just part of the bigger church. We're not the end-all, be-all. We're just part of God's plan for the Ojai Valley, and we do our part faithfully. Uh, we are, are also, which we have been doing, um, setting up and breaking down for communion. Uh, if you've not been to a Good Friday service, there are a number of tables that are set up. And at a certain part of the service, everyone who wants to can come down and take communion. So we, uh, really since it started, have uh, facilitated that. We bring tables from here over. We set up all the tables, make them real nice. And then afterwards, we break down. If you are interested in participating again, whether you've done it before or you're like, hey, that kind, of, kind of sounds cool, uh, see Pastor Tyler. He would love to uh, have some help this year. Uh, a lot of the regulars are not available, so he is in need of kind of a communion team that would really bless the whole church of the valley. So uh, talk to him for more details, and we would, we would appreciate that. And then, of course, as you saw, the um, chicken and bunny up here. Next Sunday is Easter. It's Resurrection Sunday. We invite you to uh, 
come and participate. We also, I mentioned it last Sunday, if you want as a family to bring um, some extra food and have your own little uh, lunch or something like that, feel free to do that. You can bring, it's supposed to be really good weather, I'm hearing, so uh, you can bring a blanket, some chairs if you want to sit on the, on the grass and just make, a, make an afternoon of it, okay? There'll be some extra refreshments as well. Uh, I know some of you uh, are inviting friends. Easter's great. They're going to hear a great Easter message. And how many of you know the condition of the world? People need hope. And they need some good news. Right? And so next Sunday, it's about hope and good news and the gospel. Uh, as my wife, I saw her earlier this week. And you know those little cards that Kim made, the little egg hunt cards? She was at home, and she was taking a picture of it. And I'm like, what are you doing? She goes, oh, I send pictures out. I'm inviting people. So she actually, you know, instead of handing it to them, she's sending out little invites via texting and all that. So just a creative way to uh, invite people. And whether they come, you know, that's out of your control, but you can, you can just, and sometimes how many of you invited somebody here and when they show up, you're happy. You're like, oh my gosh, they came, right? Well, you know, we all know that, that Easter and Christmas tend to be times when people will come to church. And so we understand that and we really want to bless them and really uh, make all of Easter a wonderful celebration of the resurrection. And then really pray that the Lord would save souls. And that um, he would continue his work in the Ojai Valley. Amen? All right, so we invite you to come on out this Friday if you're able to.